Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We want to continue a series that we began last week on spiritual warfare. And I think this is a very important thing for us to understand as a church. Come on, uh, as, a, as overcomers, uh, we, we've got to understand what spiritual warfare is. We've got to be ready to fight the good fight. That's what the Apostle Paul says. And so last week we talked about what exactly spiritual warfare is. Come on, we talked about uh, that there are that there are powers out there that try to take dominion over your your place, over your peace, and we're not going to let that happen. We're going to fight hard to make sure that we push those things away. Uh, so let's look at Ephesians chapter six, starting at verse ten. Uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Come on, let's read that again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You don't have to be strong, folks. You, you Come on, stand, but you don't have to do the heavy lifting. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I see something, some heavy work about to happen, I'll be like, listen, hey, can I just, can I, can I just like watch or something? Come on, somebody else is going to do it. Listen, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against this, the schemes of of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer before we continue. God, I just pray right now. I am so thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place so far this morning. God, I just ask that you uh, empower me to speak the words that you need me to say, that you want me to say this morning, God, that I communicate effectively, that hearts are impacted, that minds are strengthened this morning. God, we want to fight the good fight and we will stand in awe of you. In the name of Jesus, I pray a men. Thank you, First Lady, for giving me some back up there. I always, uh, can we just, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all always applaud her louder than me, and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, wait, I didn't, I didn't hear what it said, but I don't, you know, it's okay. Listen, I want to tell you something. We want to talk about fighting. We want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about knowing your enemy. Come on, somebody say, know your enemy. Thank you. That's the coolest thing about being a preacher is you get to be like, hey, say this word. People be like, all right. Uh, anyway, uh, I want to tell you something. I used to sell life insurance, uh, not for very long because I was terrible at it. And, um, you know, I, I saw the writing on the wall because it was the boss man writing me a pink slip. But anyway. So I, I quit. I, 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 I got fired from that, but I didn't do it for very long. But I went to a place. There is a place outside of Haynesville. And if you're very well traveled, you know it. It's called Pine Hill. It's not the Pine Hill uh, in Spring Hill, but it's a, it's, a, it's a little place. It's kind of a community between Haynesville and Homer. And I was out there selling insurance. And one thing that insurance salesmen have to do is they got to go in people's houses. And I don't know if you know me uh, very well. I think maybe you do. But I get freaked out. I get freaked out about uh, things about people germs. And so I remember a lot of times I would go in houses and I would have to, I would have to really rebuke 
uh, them, them demonic germs in them places. And they would say, hey, would you like a bite to eat? And they'd be like, no, I'm on a fast. And uh, you know what I'm saying? And hey, you want to sit down and you, you see the stains. and Oh, man. But I remember I went to this one house way out in the middle of nowhere. And the first thing I see, I walk up to this fence and I see a dog. And listen, I like dogs. I like puppies. Come on, good boy. Pet the head, scratch the ear. But sometimes if a dog is looking at you eye to eye, I don't know about that, man. Listen, I don't know if you have a big dog. I, we were at the Lumberjack Festival and somebody walked up with an entire bull mastiff. And you know why they call them bull mastiffs? Because they're the same size as bulls for the rodeo. That's why. Okay? And, and my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they have this little dog that weighs about one pound. And she walks up to this bull mastiff like, bet. Get away from my people. And I'm like, mm, mm. She must be full of the Holy Ghost because who else will be walking up against something like that? But I walked up to a fence and I saw this dog looking at me eye to eye, okay? And the eye is a window to the soul. And I, I felt like I was being read by this dog. And so I thought, oh my. And so I, I said, it's, it's okay. And so I, I, I went in and the dog was so nice, man. The dog was like, he was just following me, didn't bark, didn't growl. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And so you kind of keep, you, but you don't turn your back to him, right? And so I walked in. I was like, all right, good. You be good. You be good. You sit right there. And I walked in the house, and I, and I, and I walked up to this lady, and I was going to talk to her about her entrance, and she said, don't move. And I was like, huh? The monster's outside. And she said, don't move. And I'm like, okay, don't move. And I hear this sound. It's a horrible sound. Anybody have a chihuahua? You got a chihuahua? Okay. Cover your ears. Cover your ears. I don't know. Listen, I don't question God. But I, I, I wonder what, what those things are for. Because I look and I see this little thing and I see these eyes. And I immediately begin to think that there's uh, some kind of warfare getting ready to happen. Some kind of little demon has appeared and manifested itself. And that thing just, that's what they do. And I don't know what to do with that. And I'm like, I don't know if this thing can hurt me. But I don't even want to find out. And so it just sits there. And she says, I'm serious. Don't move. And I look back. I look at her. Ah, ah, and I look back. At the, look at the lady. What do I do? Look at the dog. And so I said, hand me your money. And so she gave me your money. I left. Listen. I thought the big dog was dangerous, family. It was not. The big dog wanted to be friends. The little dog wanted to eat my insides. Know your enemy. There were some poachers in Burundi. And they, they went out seeking to kill animals illegally. They went out to kill elephants and take their the tusks, take the ivory. They went out to kill rhinos and take their horns. And uh, bad don't no, don't do that. And so they went out to poach these animals, and they were, they were going through these lands and these swamplands and these rivers, and they ran across something that they did not expect. You see, there is a Nile crocodile, and his name is Gustav. And they believe, they can't really, really tell you the truth about this, but they, they believe that Gustav has killed over 200 people. And these poachers did not realize who their enemy was. And the Bible tells us, pay attention, 
Because there is an enemy, an adversary that seeks to devour you. And these poachers didn't pay attention because they were too busy doing something wrong. And what happened? Gustav had dinner. Look him up. I meant to have a picture. It's the scariest looking thing you've ever seen in your life. It's a dinosaur. Listen, Jesus, when he was speaking to the Pharisees in Matthew 10, he told them. He identified the enemy. He said there are two kingdoms. There is a kingdom of God and there is a kingdom of Satan. There is an adversarial kingdom that almost mirrors the kingdom of God. And so Jesus himself identified this. And when Jesus arrived on the scene, he knew that his enemy was not humanity, that there was not a human enemy. Sure, there were people that had problems with him. Looking at you, Pharisees. But Jesus understood that there was a greater threat that was behind the action and the animosity and the attitude of these people. And that's what we want to go into today. So there's, a, there's one point I want to make before we go any further. And that's, I want, to, I want to look at Christianity as something more. Listen, there are a lot of people that believe that Christianity is simply just sin management. Can I tell you something, uh, people, that there's so much more to it than that. And if you, if you minimize Christianity, your walk with Jesus to simply sin management, oh, I'm a Christian, so I don't say bad words. What? There's so much more to a walk with Jesus than that. Come on, somebody. There's so much more than a walk to a walk with Jesus than just, oh, I have a set of rules and regulations. Come on. And I believe in my heart that Christ is calling each and every one of us to a greater purpose than just following rules. I used to not care so much about rules. Now I do because I have a son. There's a lot more rules now than there used to be. Rules like, don't go on the stage at the Lumberjack Festival. We broke that one. Y'all pray. Listen, <laughs> there's so much more. There's so much more. And I'm so thankful that I've been brought up in a Pentecostal movement. Because there's a difference. There's a difference in, in people that, that, that want to be full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. Full of the fire of the Holy Spirit that are not afraid to walk in a room that has demonic activity, that has demonic oppression and say, I rebuke you in the name and authority of Jesus Christ because I know him and I do more than just manage sin. And then there's a version of Christianity that just kind of phones it in. And we talk about this a lot because, family, I don't want you to fall on that side of things. I want you to pursue Jesus with everything you've got. Come on, I want to be like Peter. You see, Peter, he made a lot of mistakes. And that's why if I have a disciple of Jesus that I identify with the most, it's Peter. Because Peter made a lot of mistakes. But what did Peter do after Jesus, uh, they saw him, they were in a boat. And Jesus was on the, on the shore. And what did Peter do, man? Did he wait till the boat got to the shore? No, he said, I want to be next to Jesus so badly that I jumped out of the boat and I swam. I don't know if that man could swim, but he made some kind of motion and he got to the shore to Jesus. I want to be desperate to follow Jesus. And if you want to stand up tall and strong and fight the good fight, you better get desperate too. If you want to fight the good fight for your family, come on. If you want to fight for dominion over your household that 
that unclean spirits and powers do not set up residence where your kids sleep at night, you better get desperate for following Jesus. So the first thing I want to talk about is the adversary himself. We know him as Satan. The Bible, uh, the Hebrew would call him the Satan because Satan is actually a title. I'm getting ahead of myself. The first depiction of evil in the Bible is when Satan appears as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. He is able to tempt mankind into giving away their authority as image bearers. And both parties, mankind and Satan, are both expelled from this place. Tempted and tempter are thrown out. After the garden, we are given clues from the biblical writers, the authors, of how this spiritual rebel works behind the scenes to influence mankind to run further and further from God. He is depicted as a snake, a sea dragon, a dark desert creature, or the king of death in the grave. He is called by the titles tempter, the evil one, or the devil, which means slanderer in Greek. So think twice before you gossip, because when Jesus got on to somebody about gossiping, he called them sons of devil, sons of the devil. He called them devils. So just, you know, that's free. That's free right there. His name is not simply Satan because that is a title, but rather the Satan, which means the adversary, because he is not for anything, but rather against everything, working through lies to drag us further and further into chaos and disorder. If you read the very beginning of your Bible, it says in the beginning, uh, and it talks about creation, and then it says there was chaos, and what's the first thing God does? He fixes that, because we don't serve a God of chaos. And so some of you, you say, Pastor, I got some chaos in my house. Then you know what? You better get on your knees. And you better get desperate so that the God of, of order and the God of peace gets back in that place. So that the Holy Spirit gets back in that household. Because maybe if you've got chaos in your house, then dominion is trying to be taken or has been taken by something else. Let's get real today. I think that that there are people that worry about talking about things like this. They worry about talking about demons and demonic activity because we have so many Hollywood movies about things like dolls chasing after people and trees chasing after people. Come on, let me tell you something. Probably everybody in this room has dealt with demonic activity in their life and there was not a Hollywood superstar there to see it happen. We have so many Hollywood movies with people floating out of beds and spinning around and throwing up. Why do demons make you throw up? I don't know, but it's every, every exorcism movie. And there's always a cross turning upside down or a painting falling off of a wall. Listen, let me tell you something. The way that demons work in your house and in your life is they, they drag you away from Jesus. They cause you to do, or they don't cause you to do things, but they influence you. They entice you to do things that um, create chaos in your household. So we worry about talking about these things because it sounds kind of crazy. It sounds kind of superstitious almost. Let me tell you something. If you believe that Christ redeemed you, if you believe that, he, uh, that, that you could be born again through him, then you better believe that there's an adversary because he said there is. And this adversary 
wants nothing more than to destroy you and get you away from God. Okay? The second thing I want to talk about is the kingdom of darkness. One of the things that the adversary does is set up a kingdom that mirrors the kingdom of God. When Satan rebelled against God and was removed from the court of God, he took with him rebellious angels. The Bible calls them sons of God. They took human women and through their pairing created offspring that were violent, horrible giants. The Bible speaks about this, and it's one of the strangest things in the Bible. It's one of the things that we gloss over because sometimes when, we, sometimes when you really get into the Bible, when you really begin, in, begin to look at some of these ancient things, it doesn't fit a fun popcorn-eating Sunday morning. Listen, I love for you to leave this place encouraged. I hope that you leave encouraged today. Somebody got on to me. They said, man, are you a motivational speaker? I said, I hope so. I hope that whatever I say motivates you to follow Jesus. I hope that whatever I say motivates you to fall more in love with Jesus. But do I need to get up here and just make you feel good? No. I want to challenge you. I want to be challenged. It matters. Listen, if you're surrounded by people that only say yes all the time, you got to get somebody else in your life. Because you're not going to grow. And so we worry about talking about these things. But if we forget, if we forget to talk about things like this, then we're going to miss out. We're not going to be able to fight this good fight the way that we should. So to ancient readers, this would have made a lot of sense. You see, all the cultures around ancient Israel, they were said they had legends that these cultures had been started by these god kings. Do you know that Pharaoh was thought to have been a god king? That's what was taught in that culture. God kings. Half god, half man. One of these warrior kings is named Nimrod, and he is behind the building of the Tower of Babel. Moses looks at this. Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy 32. And he says, but Yeshurun which is a name or term of endearment for Israel, God's people, God's children. It says, but Yeshurun uh, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. Stay with me. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. Moses is the first person in our Bible to describe these, these things as demons, these not gods as demons, these false gods as demons. We've got to look at this. I know this is heavy. I know this, is, this isn't the funnest thing that I've, spe- that, I've, that, I've, that I've brought to you on a Sunday morning, but we've got to look at this. We've got to understand who we're up against. Who we're up against. Because when you begin to understand who you are fighting against, who is fighting against you, who is coming after you, you start taking things more seriously. You start looking at things. You know what? Maybe it's cool. Maybe it's cool if we watch this movie that's got all this stuff in it. It's got all this nudity in it and stuff. 
It's, it's cool, man. I'm not like, I'm not into it. But it's okay to bring it in my house. Are you sure? Are you sure? So Moses describes the agents of the adversary as demons, not gods. He writes that the tower, the fall of the Tower of Babel is the moment that God gives the nations over to the worship of these not gods. Demonic spirits. Money. Gods of money, sex, power, etc. These agents of darkness. The Bible describes demons as agents of darkness behind corrupt human power structures but also as attacking on a personal level, animating and exploiting humanity's greed and selfishness, as well as the weakness of our mortal bodies. In the Bible, demonic spirits are behind everything, or behind anything that drags humanity back into chaos, darkness, and death. Jesus and his early followers, we talked about this a little bit already. Jesus and his early followers, they knew this. And they looked at all the evil and corruption in the world as a sign of its captivity to a spiritual evil. So, what do we do? What do we do? That's a lot of heavy stuff, Pastor. You're telling me that there's demons in my everyday life. That my friends and family are, are worshiping at the altar. That... That, that, that gentleman that I know that's addicted to pornography, every time he pulls his phone out <clears throat> and looks up those things that he's bowing at that altar and worshiping that demonic spirit. Yep, yeah, I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that. Because you need to know. Because you need to know if we're going to get serious. And we're not just going to phone it in. And we're not just going to go to work and church and say, oh, man, it's probably cool. I'm going to pray for me. Come on. If we're going to get really real, we've got to know what's out there. And here's something we got to do, family. Stand on authority. When you understand that there are demonic forces behind things, it helps you as you begin to pray. Come on, are you with me? It helps you. And when you begin, when you see, hey, this person is suffering with addiction, and you understand that that's demonic, you're not just sitting here saying, God, I pray that they get better. You're sitting here and you're rebuking aggressively with authority the demon that's got oppression, that's set up dominion over a household or a person's heart. Come on, that, that warfare is the good fight. So be an overcomer. This is my fourth and final point. Band, if you guys want to come back, you can. Because I want to end on a good note. I've talked about some dark things. I've talked about these demonic forces. And I've talked about some spooky things. Things that are worse than something that goes bump in the night. Come on, we're not talking about fantasy here. We're talking about reality. We're talking about things that don't just scare you, but things that can ruin your life. We're talking about things that don't just make you feel uncomfortable and make you have a nightmare, but things that can infiltrate your house and split your marriage apart and cause your kids to go away from the light. And so, family, if we're going to stand strong, then let's do it. If you read the New Testament, you might wonder why are there so many incidents with demons. Read it. Read the, read the Gospels. 
it's almost like every fourth person has got a demon. And you're like, what is going on over there? <clears throat> we have to remember, this is powerful, that for a long time, these spirits had held dominion over places and people. But they knew, they knew that Jesus was the one who would tear that into pieces. Woo. They knew that as he ushered in a new age where mankind was no longer separate from God, but that we could come to him, that he could dwell amongst his people, they knew that their time was coming to an end where they could run rampant and they could just run almost unchecked because there would rise a people and a nation that knew the name Jesus, that had the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, that they were empowered. And those demons knew so yeah they acted a fool yeah they did all this stuff he faced Jesus faced every demon with authority and so should you but you've got to do something first come on I want to tell you next week we're going to talk about how to fight last week we talked about what is the fight today we talked about who you're fighting next week we're going to talk about how to fight but I want to give you something as we, as we get ready to close I want to worship a little bit because I feel like there's some of us that need some breakthrough I feel like there are some of us in this house that you've got some, some things going on maybe it's in your house maybe it's in your heart or maybe it's somebody you know and you see that demonic oppression. You see that demonic activity. A young lady came to me and she said, Pastor, we've got this stuff going on in our house. Come on, you don't have to live with that. You don't have to accept that. Just, hey, I've got this ugly stuff going on. I've got this darkness hanging over my head and that's just where I'm at. No, sir, because you have a redeemer. No, sir, you don't have to put up with that because you can be an overcomer. But here's the thing you've got to do. You've got to give everything. How do I know that? Because that's what Jesus did. You see, Jesus arrived on the scene. And there's so much going on. There's so many things. So much ugliness. So much spiritual darkness in the world. What does he do? He loves people. And he gives himself. You want to fight, that's what you've got to do. If we want to break dominion, if we want to push back powers and principalities that try to set up over our houses, over our communities, come on, somebody. Have you ever wondered why is there a sense of apathy around this town or, or a town? Why is there a sense of drugs? Why is there this, this atmosphere of failure? Come on, you don't think that's demonic? You don't think that if the people of God united and stood up and said, we rebuke you right now and we're going to live by example and we're going to give ourselves, you don't think change would happen? I do, and I believe it. That's why I'm so excited about Community Church because that's one of the visions of this house, that we fight hard for our community to love them because I can see people that are, that are fighting right now and they, they don't even know what they're fighting but they're just living with this depression and oppression and it's demonic. And we can see it and we can recognize it and we know what fixes it. Paul writes about the armor of God multiple times, but in Ephesians 6, what we read, he says, put on the full or whole armor of God. Listen, family, 
You can't halfway do it. Jesus didn't. He gave it all to rescue us. Come on. So those that wandered in darkness could see a great light. And the song that they're playing right now is called Make Room. And I think that's kind of become the anthem of this church. And I'm good with that because I like that song. But it speaks about making room for God in our life, making room for Jesus. I want to give everything. I want to give it. And if you want to fight the good fight, if you want to stand strong, and although you're surrounded by darkness, be okay. You've got to give it all because that's what Jesus did. Would you stand with us this morning? I want to pray together, and then I want to worship.